When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. The solar panels work in winter. Solar energy output in Australia throughout winter is surprisingly high in some cities. You can learn more about better solar energy at B-Solar. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlife Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. Welcome to the First Serve, your home of tennis. A big hello and welcome, everybody. It's our final show for 2021. We started back on uh, February 1st. Been some great guests. The sport that never stops. It will continue this week because the Davis Cup is still going. More on the Davis Cup. What's your thoughts on that tonight as well? one 736 736 That is the number to call. We'd love to hear from you. Harry in Belmore, I'm going early, Harry. We're loving your calls. I want you on the show tonight. You need to take me down memory lane. Tennis Direct Text, if you prefer that, 043398. 1116. You can keep going shopping at Tennis Direct. They are Australia's favourite online tennis store. Head to their website tonight, tennisdirect.com.au. Fast delivery, great prices. Use that promo code FIRSTSERVE10. You can't go wrong. So on the B-Solar menu, plenty of your calls. Davis Cup, as I mentioned. Nicole Melika Martinez, the world number 12 doubles player to come with some really interesting thoughts on uh, doubles tennis. We have touched on it on the show throughout the year. Uh, you can weigh in one three hundred seven three six seven three six. And I did mention you, Harry, to give us a call tonight because another Brett on our Twitter account uh, sent through on Saturday. The stories from Harry from Belmore are getting better. He needs more airtime. So, Harry, if you're going to jump on tonight, I'm not going to cut you off. Not that I try and cut you off. We've just got a rapid-fire show on a Monday night. And I've got to get through a hell of a lot. You can go a bit longer if you want. Let's get to the on-court action. Thanks to Yonex, celebrating 75 years performance product crafted in Japan. Check out their latest range at yonex.com. Let's start with the Davis Cup finals. So this is where it is at. Unfortunately for Australia, not through to the quarterfinal stage. So Italy to play Croatia, Great Britain to take on Germany, Serbia to take on Kazakhstan, uh, Russia to take on Sweden. So the Australian... Uh, fate, of course, in their group went down to Croatia, lost all three rubbers. Alexi Propin was the uh, big surprise, losing to the world number 276. And uh, John Millman uh, losing to the world number 282 against Hungary certainly didn't help our cause. Alex Dimonor stood up as he normally does, fought all the way against Marin Cilic, came back against Marton Fucevic to win in three. And then John Pierce had to play with a couple of different doubles partners, which is probably not ideal, but Australia... Yeah, certainly gave it plenty. There were plenty of players in the Australian team who have had long, long years, who've been on the road for a hell of a long time. They'll be looking forward to getting home if they can get a flight uh, back to Australia. So not to be, 
uh, for the Aussies. But the bigger picture of the Davis Cup, and I couldn't agree more with Leighton Hewitt, who's expressed his dismay at the state of the Davis Cup following the news that the tournament could be held in Abu Dhabi from 2022. Of course, uh, Hewitt said the current format is not what Davis Cup is about, an event he believes once stood as the pinnacle of the sport. Davis Cup was held in the highest regard because it was up there with the pinnacle of our sport in men's tennis, which was five sets. Grand Slams and Davis Cup, they are the only ones that played five sets. We threw that out the door, and now we're throwing the home and away out the door as well. And that was Leighton, of course, talking before the tie against Hungary in Turin. He continued on. So if they're going and selling the soul of the Davis Cup to the Middle East for another five years, I think it's ridiculous. And they are really killing the competition. So Novak Djokovic responded after uh, those comments from Leighton Hewitt. And that was after Serbia clinched victory over Austria in their Davis Cup opener. He's, quote, the world number one. I did not like how previously that you played so many different ties uh, throughout the year. It just didn't feel, it just didn't feel uh, that the, sorry, I just didn't feel that the format, the schedule was really in favour of the players. I was a proponent for change. I was supporting the change. And the way tennis works, the world number one has a little bit of clout. But I didn't like the format we had two years ago in Madrid. We only had one hosting nation, hosting all 16 or 18 teams, whatever it was. I like that now that there are three different countries that are able to host at least the group stages. I would say, why not more? Why not have six different countries host one group of three teams? I want to get your thoughts. A little straw poll on the Davis Cup tonight. So for me personally, it's it's not watchable. I mean, I'm watching Australia in Turin, in the north of Italy, uh, the ATP finals were played there last week. And I'm watching Leighton Hewitt sit there courtside, who bled for Australia. No one loved playing Davis Cup more than Leighton Hewitt. Alex Demonor is almost like his protege, who's just bouncing on his toes. He loves wearing the green and gold. And then they pan up off the court into the crowd. And there's this little spattering of, of fans who are trying to generate some atmosphere. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. This Cosmos group, along with the ITF, have absolutely destroyed the Davis Cup. Whether you're playing it in one country, whether you're playing it in three countries, whether you take it to Abu Dhabi in the Middle East, and the only reason they're taking it to Abu Dhabi is because of the money, the finances to make this whole thing work. Because the Cosmos group, led by PK, soccer people trying to run the most prestigious team event in tennis that is over 100 years old are absolutely destroying it. So they have to make it work financially. But Australia, for instance, if we're good enough to ever win the Davis Cup again, we're never going to be able to play that tie here in Australia in front of a raucous crowd, whether it be Rod Laver Arena, whether it be Ken Rosewell Arena, wherever it might be around the country. I don't know if I'm old school. I don't know if I'm not moving with the times, but the Davis Cup has lost what it was all about. 1-300-736-736. You can have your say. 1-300-736-736. Rodney is in Oyster Bay. Rodney, can we just get some geography of where Oyster Bay is, first of all, please? Yes, absolutely, Brett. Uh, we're, in, we're in the Shire in New South Wales, of course. Nice. The Sutherland Shire. Righto, beautiful. Yeah. I hadn't heard of Oyster Good Bay before. <laughs> Welcome to the show. What, what do you think about the Davis Cup? 
Oh, I, I agree with what a lot you, what you're saying, Brett. It's just, it, it doesn't have the feel. Uh, I mean, I, I watch a lot of tennis during the year, and I've watched a little bit of this, but I think it sort of goes through to some of some of our players. I mean, Popper losing like, like he has, I, I'd be it'd be a totally different player if he was playing Davis Cup in Australia, and and, and with the crowd, even even if he went over to to Spain and played in front of a big crowd, it just it doesn't have any atmosphere. It's 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 not it's not it's not the same. I mean, no. some of the old days of you know what, watching watching the the bit the big games games here. It's it's nothing like it. It is nothing like it at all. We've gone from best of five to best of three, a Davis Cup tie over three days squashed into a day. And you've either in past Davis Cup campaigns got fifteen to twenty thousand going nuts for you. The drums are beating. It's that uh, football-soccer-type crowd inside a tennis stadium. That's what we've loved about the Davis Cup. And it's a battle of attrition, like Grand Slam tennis is, best of five sets. It wasn't broken. The Davis Cup was not broken. The best players don't need to play year in, year out for the Davis Cup, in my view, to be a success. There's still a good pool of players who, who can make the Davis Cup a great competition. Thank you, Rodney. Nice part of the world. I'm going to jot that down. Oyster Bay, I'm getting up there at some stage. Dan in Nutterwadding. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, BP. How are you, mate? Good, thank you. Mate, uh, yeah, no, I couldn't agree more with you. It's um, it's a disgrace. The uh, the politics has taken over. The cash has taken over. I'm not a tennis man, but the only thing I used to watch was the Davis Cup tennis with Cash, with Spitzy, with Masua, with Leighton, with Philippoussis. And now I didn't even know it was on, to be honest with you, mate. Yep. So it's uh, it's the green and it's the dollar and it's um, it's obviously frustrating and I'm not even a tennis man. Yeah, well said. Thank you, Dan. I appreciate your contribution. I mean, we've got an ATP Cup uh, coming up. So that's going to be that's still in its infancy. Second edition of that from the 1st of January. That's <laughs> just what, about three and a half weeks away, four weeks away. The Labor Cup, too many cups. The Davis Cup, in my view, should be in the... The week where uh, the Labor Cup is for mine. Uh, Harry in Belmore. You heard me, Harry. It's great to have you on the show, H. Now, I go back to when Sedgman and McGregor went to America to yeah. play Schroeder. And it was big time. Uh, the, uh, the Americans were favourite. And McGregor beat Schroeder, a, a big upset. But the Davis Cup, oh, well, I played Blackwell Cup and, and, and the next uh, grade up was Davis Cup. It was because uh, we'd, we'd send teams away with a team of six to uh, play the, the uh, country which held it. And uh, you had to qualify and play the other one. What they're doing now is not tennis. It, I don't know. It's beat me. But we always send teams away. Yes, yes. Team that, that, of six. So the Davis, the Davis Cup is is having uh, uh, that huge crowd. I mean, think when Australia's played great Davis Cup ties here, or you're trying to silence 15,000. When Australia won in Nice in 1999, when they lifted up Mark Philippoussis, we conquered the French in front of a parochial French crowd. That's what it's about, Harry. I'm not going to cut you off. You still there, Hage? Yes, I am. A bit um, more of you, please. Leighton Hewitt won it for uh, Australia when he beat Federer. 
That was about yes. 2002 yep. after he won the US Open. The day Leighton beat Sampras, nobody would have beaten him. Then Leighton, I don't know, he uh, seemed to lose in every round up, up till then. But then about seven years ago, he reached the final in Brisbane against Federer. And my brother rang me from Brisbane and, and said, Federer's sick as a dog. So I went to the club. <laughs> yes. Federer was a dollar twenty. Yep. Leighton six dollars. Mm. So had, and Leighton beat him in three. But after that, okay. I think Federer led him twenty five to three. Yes, his head to head against most is pretty impressive. Harry, thank you, mate. Yes, Can I wish okay, you a, mate, I wish welcome. you a very merry Christmas. We're going to be back. Uh, we're going to be back on the sixteenth of January next year. So we might even create. Your own segment. We might get a little intro done for you, Harry, and you can just take us down memory lane. But you stay safe. Yes. Stay well. Thank you, Brett. Bye. Harry up in Belmore, listening on the uh, Crystal Clear uh, SEN app. Uh, spot on, Brett. I'm not a fanatical tennis person, but always watch the majors and used to watch our cup ties and often attend to. No interest in this concept. Uh, thank you, uh, Duna. If you want to weigh into uh, the Davis Cup throughout the hour, just give us a call any time, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Tennis Marketer, great to have them on board. They're dedicated to helping uh, tennis businesses around the world grow online and get your website and social media pages professionally set up for you by experts who know their tennis. Visit tennismarketer.com.au. We need to touch on the Peng Shui situation, which has sort of gone a little bit quiet, hasn't it, the last few days. Steve Simon, the head of the WTA, has made some comments across the weekend. He says he remains deeply concerned about the whereabouts of uh, Peng Shui and her ability to communicate freely, openly and directly after her allegations that a powerful politician forced her uh, to have sex. That's all been on the table, of course, since, uh, what, the start of November. Uh, so a little statement from the WTA across the weekend. Steve Simon has reached out to Peng Shui via various communication channels. He has sent her two emails to which it was clear that her responses were influenced by others. He remains deeply concerned that Pung is not free from censorship or coercion and decided not to re-engage via email until he was satisfied that her responses were her own and not those of her censors. The WTA remains concerned about her ability to communicate freely, openly and directly. Now, Aaron Solomon, we only got a chance to play um, a brief snippet of my chat with Aaron Solomon on the show last week. He's from Esquire Digital, the chief uh, legal analyst. He penned a piece called With the Disappearance of Peng Shui, Will uh, Tennis Leave China? He's lived in Beijing and uh, Aaron Solomon talking about the prospects of Peng Shui. I believe that the Chinese government is actually feeling pressure. Peng is a very, you know, highly regarded athlete in China. She's 192 in the world, which, you know, for a Chinese player who's no longer in her prime is very, very high. This is also because of the nature of the case. Very embarrassing for the central party. I mean, she was in a consensual relationship with the person who became the vice premier of China. And then he's being accused of sexual assault. And the details are horrific, evidently with his wife basically guarding the room as this happened in 2017. If it were up to the Chinese government, this would all go away. The Chinese government, though, is always able to play the long game because they possess so much power. And that long game could be keeping Peng missing, as she is now, with these occasional kind of, you know, set up releases of today, here's Peng playing with, you know, 
Tigger instead of Winnie the Pooh. Look at her in her room. Uh, we don't know how it's going to go. You know, China's a very, very big country. And I can tell you that anybody who won't cooperate with what the government wants done here may find a trip uh, near the Russian border uh, in their future. So Aaron Solomon also went on to have a chat about uh, all the pictures and the videos that emerged. And this, I chatted to Aaron just prior to the video that was released of the IOC president, uh, Thomas Bark, having a chat, supposedly having a chat to uh, Peng Shui. But uh, Solomon talking about those pictures and videos and the bigger picture of China on the global stage. That whole series of images was really forced and creepy. It doesn't seem to me that it was something that was taken over the past few days. At an absolute minimum, with everything that's happened, you can't Im imagine Peng sitting in her room playing with stuffed animals and being relaxed, holding up her cat. Uh, everything that we've seen so far really does look like a hostage video. And that's not to say that I believe or that we all believe that she's been, quote unquote, taken hostage. But it's very poorly staged by whoever's engineering this in China and very poorly played on North American and international social media from Chinese state media. I don't believe that the photos of the Winnie the Pooh and the cat and stuff are from like yesterday. I think that there's probably some legitimacy in the video, but it wouldn't be at all beyond any of the authorities to say to Pong, guess what? You and your friend are going to go do a staged video with your coach or else. Uh, that wouldn't be strange at all. Now, it's interesting. So a couple of things have happened in the past day before today. So one thing is the United Nations actually called for definitive proof of Pung's whereabouts. The interesting dichotomy here, as all of us are tennis fans, is that the WTA actually has more leverage on Chinese authorities than the UN will. And here's why. China and the authorities in the Communist Party love international sport. They love tennis. They love Formula One. And when you look at the WTA and the ATP, we're looking at a minimum of eight tournaments, including the WTA finals that are supposed to happen in Shenzhen every year. And as you know, we're moved to Guadalajara and we're actually extremely successful, both from the fans and the players' perspective. And there's a big movement underfoot to get those permanently placed in Guadalajara rather than in Shenzhen. But China does not want to lose international face by jeopardizing their Olympics that are coming or jeopardizing any of these major competitions. So ironically, what the president of the WTA says probably holds more weight in China than the UN. And Aaron Solomon making the argument for the WTA to boycott China with their biggest event, and he made reference there, the WTA finals, to move permanently from Shenzhen to Guadalajara in Mexico, where it was held, of course, uh, a couple of weeks ago. So when Ash Barty last won in Shenzhen, she got close to $5 million. It was 4.75 US. Garbina Muguruza, who won last week in an amazing tournament again, in an excellent final against my favorite player, Annette Contevet, uh, she got not much more than a million. You would have got 1.6 million if you would have won all of your round robins and then the semis and the finals. But of course, she lost one of her round robins. I think it was like around 1.3. Not money to sneeze at. And a lot of people also believe that if you went to Guadalajara and to Mexican businesses and said, if you pony up some money, we can make this happen. We could definitely double the prize money, but you're not going to get it. To, I mean, the 4.75 million that Ash Barty won in Shenzhen is significantly more than any Grand Slam. And, you know, as a tennis fan and someone who's played a lot as well, I understand the strikes against Guadalajara. And Ash Barty's coach said it very, very well months before the tournament. 
playing with pressureless balls at 5,100 feet is not an ideal situation for a championship. But the most important intangible in any tennis tournament, I also wrote about our WTA tournament this summer, WTA 1000, US Open pre-event in Montreal, and it was terribly done. It was poorly organized. I mean, it was great, you know, Georgie won from Italy, there was some really good tennis, but it had zero vibe and very limited attendance. I think that this vibe thing is an intangible that goes a long way with players. And I can certainly tell you that with an international TV audience, having something closer to the North American time zone rather than the Chinese time zone is just going to get you a lot more viewers. So Aaron Solomon with a, a range of views. Just off the back of that before we go to the break, uh, Nicole Malika-Martinez will be our feature guest coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes, who's the world number 12 doubles player from the United States residing in Florida. She recently took part in the WTA finals and she was a huge fan. Yeah, it was amazing. I played two day sessions and two night sessions and definitely the night sessions were incredible. Um, the crowds were uh, almost full even for the doubles and they were cheering like crazy and um, I hyphenated my last name and so my second last name is Martinez and that's a name they can relate to. It's a Latin uh, last name so people were cheering for Martinez like Martinez Martinez which was really special for me but yeah the crowds were awesome and even even in the day they were good obviously you're not um you don't tend to be as into it during the day as you do at night maybe a few drinks into it but um yeah definitely a big thumbs up from Guadalajara and the organization there uh, they did a great job. The fact that they pulled it together in just um, two months or maybe not even two months was just amazing. And they tried really hard. And uh, I'm hoping it can be back there again because I, I enjoyed it. And um, the altitude didn't even bother me. I know some players didn't necessarily like it, but I thought I did a really good job in preparing for it. And um, I thought the tennis there was really nice. So we'll see where it goes. If the WTA don't get the response, a satisfactory response in terms of Peng Shui, uh, will they rip some tennis out of China? They've got a 10-year deal to play the WTA finals. Uh, Melbourne's, uh, of course, leading synthetic grass court surface and construction specialists are ASTI. Great supporters of ours, ASTI.com.au, A-S-T-E.com.au. Trusted by Melbourne tennis clubs and councils. Make sure you check out Asti Tennis Courts, uh, Tennis Rehab. We're going to touch on that. Nicole Melika-Martinez to come. Your call's on the Davis Cup. I'll get to your text next on the first serve. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B-Solar advisor. Visit b.solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The First Serve, your home of tennis. Welcome back to The First Serve. It's our final run for uh, 2021. We'll be back, of course, in uh, January, just on the eve of the Australian Open next year. A bit Richard Novak Djokovic's father attacking Tennis Australia for keeping his son out. I think he's uh, referenced uh, blackmail, uh, Sergian. He's the dollar quote. Uh, Djokovic senior, that is for sure. Bad luck, I say. He knows what to do to get in here. Sour grapes to him. No favourites here. Thank you, Dean. BP, the fact uh, they've changed the Davis Cup has alienated the casual tennis supporter. I used to watch this game, but the new format is not friendly to supporters of certain countries. Sanitise and not interesting. Michael, thank you for your view. Tennis rehab is all about combining great tennis coaching, accommodation, local wine and food, and other tourist attractions. All tennis lessons are run by either... 
the club professionals or qualified coaches whose aim is to send you home an improved player. If you want to find out more, log on to their website. I've got it right in front of me here, tennisrehab.com.au. Discover country lawn tennis while sharpening your game. The man behind it, Mark Borthwick. We had a, a, a too brief a chat at the start of November, so I wanted to get Mark uh, back on and just to see where things are at with Tennis Rehab now that all of uh, country Victoria has opened up to the metro areas. Mark, great to have you back on the show. Thanks, Brett. It's great to be here. And is it too early to wish you uh, Merry Christmas? No, I went to a couple of places. Uh, I reckon people are putting Christmas trees up uh, way earlier than when I was a kid. So uh, <laughs> it's a big build-up now. You can say Merry Christmas, Mark. Thanks, Brett. Um, Brett, I've just come off uh, a few days up at Yarrawonga for the Victorian Grass Court Tennis Championships for seniors. Um, and uh, I didn't last that long because some of the world's best senior tennis players and Australia's leading tennis players uh, were were seated up there, the likes of Mr. Busby yes. and Jared Broadbent and uh, Andrew Ray and um, Isabel Jamel and a whole host of uh, senior superstars were playing. It was just a, a marvellous weekend and really brought home to me, um, you know, why so many people love uh, grass, you know, to uh, lawn tennis and... Um, and that's behind, uh, that's the thing behind uh, tennis rehab and what I was trying to do in uh, Northern Victoria. Yeah, tell us how it's all sort of unfolding. I mean, Victoria has got, uh, as you know, Mark, very well, some of the best grass courts. I mean, I'm already looking forward. I was chatting to the team at Tennis Victoria during the week, uh, Country Week, which will be in Swan Hill uh, in the middle of February next year. Uh, it's been in Yarrawonga. I was up in Wodonga a couple of years ago. I mean, we've got so many great grass courts uh, led by, you know, what we see at Kooyong in metropolitan Melbourne, the spiritual home of Australian tennis. But, yeah, tell us how, how things are shaping up with Tennis Rehab and, and what you're trying to achieve um, with this concept. Look, there's more lawn tennis courts in my part of the world, and I'm from Euroa, about 150 kilometres north of Melbourne. Uh, but through the Golden Valley and a bit north of us, there's more lawn tennis courts per capita than just about anywhere in the world. And the, the, the standard of the courts is just fabulous. And, and most of them are sitting idle, for, especially midweek. Mm. It's just, you know, no, no usage. So yep. um, I, I sat back and thought, well, what can we do about this? Because there's a lot of people in Melbourne that very rarely, unless you're at Kuyong and one or two other places, very rarely get the chance to, to hit on grass, let alone maybe learn some of the technique uh, required to play on grass. And so Tennis Rehab is really all about getting groups of people um, into uh, Euroa, Shepparton, Benalla, areas like that, um, spend a few days in accommodation and have some intensive coaching uh, for all different levels. Um, it's not, not aimed at the elite tennis player. It's it's aimed at probably the suburban person that uh, wants to wants to get a little bit better yep. and yep. Uh, also enjoy uh, the pleasures of uh, of grass tennis. So, now look, the bookings have been a bit slow. I think there's been a bit um, bit of uh, reluctance travelling around, um, and they're starting to come through uh, now. And um, uh, we're going to be running a few. Um, 
uh, sessions. Um, they start on a Monday morning and finish on a Wednesday because that's when all the courts are empty and we can uh, have our pick of the of the best courts. So, um, yeah, it's coming along well, Brett, but uh, we can always do with a few more people. No doubt. So, folks, if you're listening in tonight or you're listening back to our show, for those that listen to us uh, retrospectively on the podcast, uh, Tennis Rehab, all one word, dot com, uh, au and as uh, as Mark alluded to there, uh, Monday mornings, 10am, sessions getting underway and through to Wednesday, you've got all the courts to yourself, uh, there's accommodation, it's all part of it, some magnificent food and wine from uh, some beautiful parts of Victoria as well, Mark, so it's a very, uh, very appealing uh, sort of set up there that you get to play the sport you love and, and sharpen your game, play on, the, you know, the, the, arguably the greatest surface in, in grass, but also um, have a little bit of a, a holiday around it. Well, I, you know, there's a lot of people go on uh, golfing holidays and uh, tour around and do things like that. But I'm not aware of any anyone that's setting up uh, something like this for tennis, uh, at least not in Victoria. And uh, being up north, we get that beautiful, clear, sunny skies uh, up here on the other side of the Great Divide. So the, the weather is um, is pretty good, uh, from, especially from now until about April. It's... Um, it's superb and the, and, the, and the grass is just coming along beautifully. I was playing in Shepparton this morning, Yarrawonga yesterday, mm. and uh, Yaroa this afternoon, and they're all in immaculate condition. Oh, I bet they are. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I can't wait to... I'm trying to, if I can, have the month of December off. It's hard to have a month off in, in tennis. We've gone pretty hard all year, but I want to get I want to get in the car and get on the road and just... Go and soak up a bit of country, Victoria. So I'm going to um, pop up and see you, Mark, and have a look at the grass course set up up there and uh, just uh, just get out of Melbourne, which I think we've all been dying to do. So um, if you've been a reluctant traveller, I mean, just get in the car, uh, soak in that country air, and if you love your game, go and play on some of the great um, lawn tennis courts in country, Victoria. So tennisrehab.com.au is where you need to log on to. Uh, all uh, tennis lessons run by either the club professionals or qualified coaches, uh, accommodation, local wine and food, other tourist attractions within the area, all part of the package across uh, two or three days. And Mark, really appreciate you coming on and um, we'll, uh, we'll certainly keep in touch. Thanks, Brad. I've got a can of balls ready to pop for you when you get here. Beautiful. No better smell than opening up a can of new tennis balls and uh, well, they come off that, uh, I've got the Yonex uh, racket at the moment, which uh, needs a little bit of uh, dusting off. Uh, thank you, Mark Borthwick. Uh, from, of course, Tennis Rehab. You can go shopping at Tennis Direct, Australia's favourite online tennis store. Fast delivery, great prices. First serve one zero is the code. Get that nice discount, tennisdirect.com.au, wherever you are around Australia. All the goods delivered to your front door. Nicole Melika Martinez up next. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With B Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a B Solar advisor. Visit B.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management at glgcorp.com. The first serve, your home of tennis. Well, the positioning and marketing of doubles in pro tennis is something we've certainly talked about before on this show. 28-year-old Nicole Malika-Martinez from the US is the world number 12 in the women's doubles rankings as high as nine in May this year. She's won 10 WTA titles, including two this year in Doha and Miami, with Demi Scherz has been a 12-time finalist, including the US Open and Wimbledon, was a Wimbledon mixed doubles champion 2018. She's trying to lead the way to put doubles in a bigger spotlight. Our chat.
It's difficult with the WTA and ATP because obviously they have um, they have their product, um, their main product, shall I say, with uh, with their top level singles players. But actually, in the men, it was uh, more steady because you you kind of had the big four, or the big three, as they, they call it, with Roger, Rafa, Novak, and when Andy Murray was playing well as well. But right now in the women, the game is so diversified. You you know, four Grand Slams, four different champions. You, you know, with all the all the. 1000 tournaments you had how many different champions you had somebody else winning the WTA finals um it's really hard right now i think to promote just um you know just a couple of women because that's the thing people unless you're a diehard tennis fan and that's um that's a discussion i i sometimes have with my husband like in in sports you know in soccer it's like it's either messy or Ronaldo, you know, you have like the top two or the top three after that, unless you're a diehard tennis fan, you're not going to be following everybody. So you, in a sense, I understand you need like the people that drive the sport, but why, for me, why does it only have to be the singles players? Why can't you drive the sport also? Maybe you have the singles players and then you have like a couple of doubles teams that are driving the sport. So I think the Bryan brothers were great. And even though they were marketed a lot, I still think the ATP and the whole tennis industry missed a huge opportunity with them because they could have marketed them way more. And then now with the women's doubles, I think they could really, if you take the top women's doubles players or teams, I think they could really market and turn it into like a really good brand and really get fans engaged. Because especially in the countries with the Grand Slams, I mean, everywhere in the world, they have it. But in America, in Australia, in France, in the UK, most recreational players, what do they play? They play doubles and they love watching it. And there's more action on the court with the four players, you have the volley reactions, you have the crazy points, you can hit around the net post, you you just have so much more going on. And with the problem solving, it's also cool because I was explaining to one of my husband's students yesterday in doubles, if you don't want to hit a backhand, you don't have to. Yeah. You can position yourself in the court and try and avoid it as much as possible. And in singles, you just don't have that much flexibility in, you know, adjusting. If you don't want to hit a ground stroke, you can just come to the net and you can work with your partner. And it's just, there's so much more depth in the doubles game, I think. Within a tournament, in an ideal world, how would you set it up? Because often doubles is coming on the back of an epic singles match. The fans have come in for that match. They go, wow, that was great. Three sets. Players might have been out there for two and a half hours. I need to go and have a break from the stadium. And some of those fans don't come back. Mm-hmm. The doubles is always after. Now, WTA finals, I went to the ATP finals many years ago, and I loved it at the O2, where they actually put the mm-hmm. doubles on before the singles. Mm-hmm. So, you, And that capacity was 17,000 inside the O2. And you probably had 10,000 in for the doubles as people were sort of mm-hmm. filing through. So how, how would you set it up where doubles can be more in the spotlight, if you like? Well, I kind of think it's sort of like what they did with the night sessions at the US Open. If you remember years ago, the women always played before the men in the night sessions because the argument was, well, the men play three out of five. So why do the women have to wait for so long to play when they're only playing two out of three? And then the men's argument was, well, you want equal prize money. So you should be able to wait, even though we play longer, you should, you want to be equal be equal and I feel like you can do the same with doubles why in Guadalajara like you said doubles was always second you had your you know your 7 30 p.m time slot for the singles and then the doubles was followed by why is it that the singles had to be just the feature match why could it not be 
uh, because the tournament was over eight days, right? Mm -hmm. Why could it not be one evening that the singles was the feature match followed by the doubles? And then the next evening, the doubles was the feature match followed by the singles. You know, why can't you have a variety there? And okay, maybe on on finals day, you have the two uh, TV time slots. You have the doubles at 2 p.m. and then the singles at 6 p.m. or, you know, whatever. And you give both time slots. But I think even at the Grand Slams and stuff, what I would do, I would market a lot the, the top doubles teams and even tell their individual stories, tell their stories of how they became together. If they're a new partnership, if they're an old partnership, obviously old, old partnerships have more depth. Uh, now, like the, the Colombian, the men's Colombian team, they've been playing together basically their whole careers. You know, they have so much more depth, whereas... There, I'm sure there are some guys next year. For example, I'm playing with Alexa Garachi next year. I'm not playing with the Demi anymore. So I think there's more you can get. But going back to the tennis matches, why is it that Arthur Ashe Stadium or on Rod Laver Arena always during the first week, you know, you only have singles matches on the center courts? Why can't you have a doubles match at 7 p.m., you know, or singles and a doubles once they start putting it there, people are going to watch, people are going to stay, people are going to become fans. It's just, if you, what happens when you have pop-up ads on your computer, when you start seeing things, you start learning about it and understanding. When you start seeing these players, maybe you haven't heard of them yet, but you see them once or twice and then third time and a fourth time, it's like you start becoming a fan of them. It's all about exposure. Absolutely. So where, where does you know, your opinions that you're stating to me right now, how much weight do they carry? What platform do you have to express that to the WTA, for example? I mean, there's a player council. I mean, mm-hmm. what, are the, what are the things that are, are discussed? And is there an, an echo across a lot of the doubles pairings of sharing your sentiments? I'd imagine there would be. And what's been maybe the feedback from those above in in trying to look at the game going forward? Yeah, I mean, all all the doubles players agree with our stance and that's something we're fighting for and that we're pushing for. And there is a players council. So um, we're trying to go through there. There's also tournament councils and and there's a lot of meetings that go on between the players and the WTA organization, the tournaments and the sponsors. And um, it's actually very complex. But the main problem we're having is what came first, the chicken or the egg? basically saying um, we need like more money in order to be able to put doubles in these TV slots or in these time slots uh, because maybe it's not making so much money right now, but it's not making so much money right now because you're not putting it in those time slots. So in my opinion, you need to invest and just do it. Even if the WTA is maybe going to lose some money in the beginning for it, I think they need to try at least for, I'm not great with marketing and stuff, but at least, I don't know, a year or a couple of years and see if the numbers grow and see what happens. Because I really think when you give someone something different and you really start to market it, it will go up. It's just, it's not going to go up right away. People need to learn. People need to become fans. And that's just, that's how it is. We talked to a lot of Australian doubles players, John Pierce, who won Indian Wells recently. He's been out mm-hmm. Double specialist for a while. Young Luke mm-hmm. Snevel's risen up to 23 in the world. He's mm-hmm. gone away from singles into doubles and mm-hmm. um, he's carving a, a terrific career. I mean, certainly for people that aren't aware of your backstory, it's probably similar to a lot of, you know, tennis players in a way that you've got you to do the tough, hard yards, grind it on the ITFs. And it's certainly not glamorous uh, at that end of the tour. But here you are now inside the top 10. You've 
become a really established uh, doubles player. It's taken a lot of hard work. What would you say to anyone listening, Nicole, who's wanting to embark on a professional tennis career when singles mightn't totally work out for them? It's a pretty brutal sport, as we know. There's so Mm -hmm. many players ranked of what they can maybe get out of a doubles career. Obviously, no one starts their tennis career saying they want to be a doubles specialist. That, That is the reality. You see the singles players winning grand slams and that's where more money is obviously that's that's where you go but my advice would be to any any junior any player coming up play both singles and doubles for several reasons but singles is going to help your doubles game and doubles is vice versa going to help your singles game and then as you you're going to need it if you play in college in college you play a lot of doubles and that doubles point is really important but then in the pros if you're just starting out, if you're good at doubles, there might not be a lot of prize money at the 15,000, 25,000 level, but that's still extra money. If you can, maybe you lose early in singles and you do well in doubles and then, you know, you lose early in doubles and you do well in singles, any money that you can get in your pocket or any practice you can get, you need a lot of matches at that level. And once you make your way up the ladder, maybe you'll see, you know what, singles is going really well and you can focus more on that or, Hey, you know, singles isn't great. And I'm actually good at doubles. Maybe you can go on that because in the WTA, in like our player zone, we have uh, maybe our rankings and like how many points we have. And then um, we have how much prize money we made that year. And it's interesting. You can click on it and there's like a, it's a ranking. Basically it goes in order of like who made the most money that year. And I purposely look in it just to see at the end of the year, how well I did compared to, you know, it has all the singles, doubles players that includes, you know, your mixed doubles prize money as well out of the top 100 income earners there's several doubles players in there it's not just the top 100 singles players there are doubles players that are high up in that prize money earnings so to think you're only going to make money playing singles is actually false if you're good in doubles you're going to make a good living as well i feel like if people can somehow contact sporting stations or you know tweet about it or use their social media platform and really like voice like hey we want to see doubles and really express interest or whenever there happens to be doubles on TV, make sure to watch it, you know, drive those TV numbers up. I think that would even really help because the more people watching it, the more viewers you get, that's more of a case for us to get more doubles on TV and on bigger courts. Better solar, better batteries, better energy. With V-Solar, you'll never have to pay another expensive electricity bill. Talk with a V-Solar advisor. Visit V.Solar to learn more. GLG Greenlight Group, leaders in property services and open space management. At glgcorp.com, the first serve, your home of tennis. Let's uh, wrap up. 2021, it was great to get down to uh, the Tennis Victoria Premier League and uh, do the commentary. Of course, it was streamed on KO yesterday. Uh, Hume uh, claimed the women's division after defeating uh, Royal South Yarra 2-1. She was impressed with the young 17-year-old Leanne Cerner. Beautiful uh, backhand. A young girl, the very bright future. And then Royal South Yarra uh, won, of course, the men's title, um, defeating the defending champions, uh, Kuyong, uh, 2-1. And Luke Saville, he stood up tall in the twilight uh, last night, seven six six two, and uh, good luck to Luke and Daria Gavrilova, who will get married uh, this weekend. I was having a good chat to Matty Reed courtside. He's organising the Bucks on uh, uh, Thursday night. So, yeah, well done uh, to uh, Luke and uh, Dasha. They are a uh, great couple. It's been a big year. If you've missed anything, 
You can go back and listen whenever you want. We kicked it off with Ash Barty, of course, the world number one back on the 1st of Feb. It's been great to uh, catch up with the Aussies uh, right around uh, the globe. Matty Ebden, uh, Matt Reid, Alexander Verkic, Sion Mendes, Tom Fadcutt, Jeremy Beale, Andrew Harris, John Millman, Max Purcell, John Pierce, Storm Sanders. Quite a few of the internationals joining us. Paul McNamee launching his book. Uh, Grothy joined us, of course, for all the US Open shows. And great to catch up with some juniors. Talia Kikinas, that was my favourite chat. Of course, winning the Hardcore Championships up in Canberra. Cruz Hewitt won uh, the boys. Uh, Roshan Gilhini. Uh, yeah, Steffi Webb. Emi Mugisha in Rwanda. That was a favourite chat of mine as well. The radio takes a pause, but keep an eye on thefirstserve.com.au. All our socials will be back 16th of January next year. Hit them well. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.